Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Faith and Justice. My name is Boston. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm Lyndon. Pronouns he, him, the other co-host. Today on the episode, we want to talk about raising all boats in the midst of all the struggles and crises we're going through. So just to set up this topic a little bit, as we're entering 2024, you ready for a Boston? No. <laughs> Great. Um, what we're going to do is talk about some strategies and some things we can do to support one another despite our feeling overwhelmed. Uh, and a lot of that is centered in community. We see a lot of stuff about self-care, which is also important. Lots of those messages like stay hydrated, drink water, get some sleep, take a nap, you know, disrupt the capitalist patriarchal hierarchy, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Great. But what we also need beyond having a spa day uh, for ourselves is to build community. And I think that's what's often largely missing in people's lives when they say, I feel defeated. I feel uh, like I'm up against too much. And I mean, it falls back into that one example would be uh, we, we're not going to uh, solve the climate crisis purely through uh, putting our recycling out at the curb. Like that's the kind of thing where we're, bought, we're often buying into individual solutions to collective problems. And those are never going to be a complete solution. And so the same too, it, when we feel overwhelmed that, oh my, there's, there's war in the Holy Land, uh, there's the climate crisis, um, indigenous people are still oppressed in Canada, we're still under the thumb of colonialism, um, I just don't, you know, fascism is on the rise, all these things. Where do we even start? Well, we could start with community, including at, in the local sense. People jump to like partisan politics or something like that. Great if that's what you're into. But besides things like that, we need to know who our neighbors are. We need to know them by name. Uh, we need to break bread together, things like that. So that's a to start us off. Yeah, one thing I have noticed in, so I feel lucky that, you know, I go to a church and that that's just like immediately that's a community right there um but something that i've heard often from people especially my age like you know i'm old now i've been at the university for a long time and longer than a lot of people that i know and people that i know that have since graduated and moved on are that community is not easy to find all of a sudden right when you leave university and you leave all of the course unions and the student groups and stuff like that it's um yeah unless you have something like a church or, or something like that outside of the school I feel like I've heard that it's it's hard to find um but that makes it even more important yeah and and while yeah Boston you and I uh both spend time in in churches particularly a Lutheran church um there's a lot of places where you can find community where we're also connected to inclusive Christians on campus. I mean, we're talking about specifically Christian communities, but I think about the ways in which say, for example, civil rights movement to take a Christian example where 
uh, especially Southern Baptist and others, work together with labor unions and others to build a big tent. So the point of it, part of the point of Boston I, for us doing this podcast isn't just, oh, we really want people to go to church. Well, that, that that's not how it works. <laughs> Anyways, no. but what we do want is to build community. And a podcast gets beyond the walls of church. It gets beyond the walls of inclusive Christians and multi-faith, opens us up to the wider world, both greater Victoria and beyond. Um, and we've had occasionally people ask us to have conversations about building community, building community on campuses. I just had someone in London, Ontario reach out to me, was trying to do that in a campus there. And we had Izzy from GVAT, Greater Victoria, acting together on the show a couple episodes ago. And the idea there is branching out to labor unions, for example, which, again, a labor union is like a real disparate group of people who otherwise might never meet together, except that they have this common goal in mind to you know, raise all the boats, to protect labor, to protect their rights, to make sure that they're getting fair wages and benefits in their jobs. And sometimes that requires collective action in order to demand change. And that's the purpose of building a community uh, in one way is twofold. One, to support us in the day-to-day stuff so that when you're feeling down and out, if you're sick, someone might make some chicken noodle soup and bring it to you uh, as a possibility to both physical nourishment and to know someone cares. Um, and then to have people to run ideas by, to meet for coffee, to have a social scene uh, that's larger than just your friends group. As, as you say, you graduate, then what? And people might get a job and they suddenly feel a bit alienated because there aren't all these campus clubs that, you know, they used to rely upon for that. So now you have to build community in other ways. Um, so it's to build up your personal strength and spirit and connect you with other people. And then also when collective action is needed, um, for all the woes me that we hear from mainstream churches and from, frankly, any civic group, including labor unions, about, oh, these groups aren't as strong as they used to be and neoliberalism or a kind of privatizing of public spaces over the last 30, 40 years is breaking this stuff down. Now we're all in our little individual pods. We don't connect as much. Well, well, that might be true. These organizations still exist. And Izzy demonstrated to us, say, with Starbucks, where they helped unionize the first Starbucks in North America, um, that it is possible not only to build community, but to do amazing actions together of collective action against what seemed to be like insurmountable odds to take on a corporation like Starbucks, for example. So if we're worried about climate, we're worried about, say, the Watsodan crisis here in B.C., um, we're worried about war further afield and Canada's participation in that. We have collectively a lot of power, but we need uh, to harness that through community building and organizing. I'm curious, um, just because you've been you've been in the game longer than I have, so I'm wondering what you think. Um, how? how do you get past the barrier of 
organizing with, especially, you know, again, like we're part of a church, like a lot of people don't necessarily like churches and don't necessarily want to be involved with churches. Um, do, do you have any idea like how to get past that barrier? Because that's one thing that I find most often is like, even with some student organizing, like with like inclusive Christians and they're kind of, okay, you can see people kind of like wonder what this is about. You know what I mean? Right. So how do you build trust basically with other yeah. groups? I mean, that's just going to be putting in the time yeah. of meeting people for coffee one-on-one, yeah. having conversations and sitting down and figuring out, okay, you're not just here to proselytize. You're not just here to get me to church or yeah. whatever. It's not purely an instrumental reason you're here. And we actually have some shared goals and maybe some religious groups. If they still have building or other resources, they could give free space to groups like just meeting space is a big deal. If you're not on campus, for example, even when you're on campus, it's hard to book a space here. We know it. We had our first live show. Try to book a space. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll end up with a random classroom no one can find yeah, and no one's going to come to. So you want to try to find a public space that people can identify the landmark where the meeting's happening, yeah. that's on a bus route, things like that. Um, that's where we can share some of those resources. But, but as to like breaking down the barriers and raising trust, that only happens over time. Yeah. Um, so that includes the people in groups who have done the oppressing, namely Christian churches, whether it's pastors or lay people need to say, hey, I wanna build, help build a broad-based movement. Uh, I know the group I represent isn't, it doesn't have the greatest history, um, but we're trying to decolonize or work through some of that uh, in a real way, not just give lip service to it. Um, how could we work together Maybe surprised, like people are often open to that because rarely does anyone actually offer that. Like the bar is super low for organizing because yeah. mostly it doesn't happen. Yeah. You could literally walk into a lot of organizations and just introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I love to meet for coffee. Do you have time to chat and see where it goes? But you, you know, you just have to invest the time in that and see where the doors open. That, no, that's so good. Thank you. It's, but that's also something that I feel is such a struggle, like time. Cause it's like, you know what I mean? Like we, we don't, it feels sometimes like we don't have a lot of time in, in I mean, in our day to day, but also when we talk about, especially like, st- like stuff like the war, like, well, okay, well. I have an opinion on the use of the term war in the Holy Land, but we're not going to, I won't get it. No, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, but also things like what's it's like, that's um, maybe something that's one of the worst things about law school also is learning about like, yeah, incrementalism, everything moves at like a snail space. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But also it's not fine because these things are happening right now. And you know, like it's, it's, I, I had an opportunity um, a couple of years ago with the Native Students Union to talk to Marie Rankin, who's like the the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation about DRIPA, the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act. And we, that's something that we brought up like, okay, 
what are you doing now? And they're like, well, you know, Drippa tells, like, we got to write a report every year about how things are going and, like, make recommendations. And it's like, that's, okay, that's fine. That's good work. But that report in a year and a half is not going to change the fact that, you know what I mean, there are things happening right now that are not good. And so, I don't know, that's, I guess, that's something always I've struggled with is, like, time, taking the time. Because it's like, we don't have time. Right. And maybe like picking one thing like that. I mean, you're, you're talking about someone who occupies a, a position in government. And that's not, the, that's not really a starting point. I mean, you can have that conversation. It's yeah. good you did. And apply pressure where you can and, and have that dialogue. But as far as changing things... You have to, or we have to build a broad base movement ground up, and when, that's when when larger structures feel threatened, or feeling oh we need to show up to the table because these people are serious and they're organized. Um, I mean that's not going to start at the top, because people in positions of power uh, have little incentive to change the way things are doing if changing those things uh, doesn't get them reelected. Yeah. They have great intentions. It's not really about any of these people personally. That's where, in a sense, uh, like partisan politics in that it's not personal unless, you know, people can make it personal when they attack groups, you know, attacking trans people or rights like that. But very often it's a kind of careerism where people start with good intentions, like many things, and then they're working their way up the ranks and then... You know, you get you get stuck with a certain um, by your boss and whoever who says this is the room space you have in which to move. So they can't be cutting side deals and whatever personally. And you're like, oh, this is my position. I represent this. They these are the parameters I've been dictated by this party. So partisan politics isn't for me necessarily the starting point. Uh, it's about building grassroots movement. And then when you have that broad base, when you have religious groups and labor groups and just community queer groups and so on, uh, Black Lives Matter and so on together, then like that's a lot of power collectively those people have. Then you can have sit down meetings or make demands with groups that they still probably are not going to it's not going to be that simple either, but you're going to be doing planned events in public spaces in front of the legislature, marches, wherever that's going to get media attention. That's going to make people sit up and listen. And that's the point at which people start feeling empowered to say, we're doing this cool thing together. And it's not contingent on someone in a higher position signing off on it. Yeah, maybe a bit of a, a bad example there. I just, I just meant like, you know, it's just the time always feels so, you know, like stressful to me. Right. And the lack of. Yeah. And so the more the more broad based we can build things, then it's not just up to you. Yeah. If you're busy at law school and seminary and some other commitments, um, maybe just pick one. We just pick one thing and keep the bar lower. Uh, maybe collectively 
we can work at some of those things. But I think when we imagine like, how could I personally do all this? Well, we can't. Yeah. So we can't That's imagine right. the solution being us personally fixing something no. big. We won't. But we can work uh, first in a, in a very small community. And then I think what's what we're lacking a little bit is that can be that sense of joy. I mean, you hate to give kudos to like like the convoy groups and that, but they went out and they kind of like had some fun. We're all in lockdown. We're abiding by the mandates and we're not going out in public. We're wearing masks and all that. This went out and had a street party. And I'm not saying, oh yeah, let's be like the convoy. No, no. But they uh they they did community organizing. They got together, they physically drove to Ottawa. They put up bouncy castles and saunas and bizarro stuff on the side of the road and parking lots and wherever. And they just did all that stuff and no one stopped them. Yeah. Till like three weeks later, right, that they were in Ottawa. To take one you know, a big example of those guys felt empowered because they got away with a lot. And I feel like um, not to shift the focus to that, but a sense of, so we're not just going to meet for a vigil in which for a sad occasion. We might need to do that, yeah. but we also need to meet for a joyful reason too. So let's throw some parties. If it's, you know, lawn darts or whatever the bocce ball thing in front of the legislature whatever it is your the the plan is there needs to be some celebration to it because that's going to invigorate your movement and you know potluck everyone brings some soup or a dish to share just that community building stuff i mean you experienced a bit of that when you were camping out or supporting the uh, what's owed in youth in front of the legislature uh, a few years ago. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot we can talk about with the legislature. Um, that was an interesting one. I mean, so I was involved in sort of the planning, the initial, I would say the initial planning phase. I think there was a, a few more, we, we uh, planned a field trip to the legislature. Okay. We were all going to go to the and. I think there must have been maybe one meeting that I wasn't a part of because I don't, but I, maybe not because I don't know if anyone knew that it was going to be like a four week sustained thing. Like, I think we were kind of just planning on going there and, you know, sitting down or some people were going to lock themselves and then like see what happens. I guess I don't, I mean, to be fair, I expected to basically get there and sit there for a while and then the police to show up and haul people out of there. Like, you know, after a few hours, like I didn't think it would be sustainable for weeks, but that really was that sustaining for so long was really due to a community being built around that action. I mean, I don't even think there was necessarily um, coordination of like, okay, we're going to, we need someone to like go get a tent. Well, cause I, I don't know if like maybe say for, the people that are listening that maybe didn't ever get a chance to see the legislature action, but it was basically like there was a big group of us all. Some people were sleeping there every single night and some people were coming and going. There was a ceremonial fire right on the steps of the legislature. And then right, like right off of the steps, 
on the walkway, there was like a big tent with like all this food and water and all these supplies and stuff like that. And I don't even think that was necessarily someone saying we need all this stuff. It was like the community of of Victoria saw us doing this and we're like, we're going to band together for this cause that we believe in because it's important. And it did really feel like a little, it was a little community there those two weeks. Like there was people sleeping and eating and like, yeah, it's, um, yeah. I don't know. I kind of, sorry. I kind of petered out there on what I was talking about, but yeah, I, I remember stopping by many of those days and one point, um, I was happy that the, the TRC committee at church of the cross had donated some boxes of fruit to the, to the tent to have some tangible, uh, gift to help support that action. And, uh, uh, uh Anglican colleague and I slept overnight one night in that absolutely, uh, freezing cold, uh, on those stone steps yeah. or whatever it was. It was, well, uh, yeah, uh, kudos to people who did that many, many nights over the course of weeks. Yeah, I didn't. I went um, home a few times. Yeah. And it was just encouraging to see the level of organizing. Again, there was the sacred fire. Yeah. So there, there was a sense of ritual yeah. that was connecting it. No one could dispute that, that here are the, these ritual actions, which were bringing indigenous groups together. Yeah. There was food and a very manic- meticulously maintained uh, kind of food prep area. Yeah, it was very specific which foods they needed. Very often, um, grab and go food and different things. They didn't just want random stuff dropped off. Um, there was a tent at one point, so people yeah. could sleep under the tent who were like really committed to this action. Um, there were some warming fires set up so people could warm up a little bit. People were bringing in free coffee that cafe was donating. So like all those things together to me, that was one of the most brilliant examples of community building I've seen in Victoria. Yeah. It took a tremendous amount of sacrifice for, uh, youth who were putting that together and showing up day after day. And then there was also, uh, some of the leaders being hauled off by by Vic PD yeah. as well. Because at one point there was a meeting with someone from government and they went inside the legislature, of all things. Yeah. Who set that up? That was an absolutely bizarro thing. Do you think they're going to leave once you invite them in if you're not going to meet their demands? Of course they're not. <laughs> yeah. So then, of course, they're forcibly yeah. uh, removed um, and there was some uh, allegations of mistreatment there. So I don't know how that if that was ever resolved. But uh no, of course not. <laughs> but I to me at least it was just a really brilliant example of how to organize and I guess the question is some people might have seen that but not been connected to a community and then after those weeks ended may have felt like oh what's the you know what's next. But shortly after that we had the covid lockdowns and that's kind of knocked down a lot of progressive organizing for a yeah. couple of years um, in a way that opened up a vacuum. And one thing conservative organizers are good at is filling that vacuum. If we're not going to take up that space, they will. 
So they did. So we had uh, those anti-vax, anti-mask groups uh, find wind in their sails while while we sat kind of sat home and watched a little bit, yeah. like protesting in front of hospitals, Ministry of Health, stuff like that. I think if we've learned anything in the last while, it'll be like we can't give over that amount of space that we we do have to keep gathering and we do have to um, have a vision that attracts people, that has something of a party-like atmosphere at times. So there's things to celebrate. It's not a meeting just about sadness or feeling hopeless or whatever. It's fine to feel that way. We all do (laughs) different times, but that's not, that doesn't make a movement. Uh, Posting on social media, for example, doesn't, make a movement on its own, it can be effective tool of communication. Yeah. But who are those tools owned by, right? The very forces that are working against us. Yeah. And also will take down posts that violate their community standards that they get to pick and choose what those are. Yeah. Um, and often, yeah, the community standards are not in favor of the whatever it is. I remember that happening back right. in with the Wet'suwet'en. Also, you know, accounts were all of a sudden disappearing or getting yeah. deleted. And now with Palestine, same thing is going on. Well, we've we've just ceded way too much public space to these people. It'd be like yeah. setting up, you know, the, the Wet'suwet'en protest. You can set that up on the steps of the legislature because that is a public space. If we did that, if we set up in the lobby of a of a bank or something or a corporation, we're not going to be surprised that they're going to shut that down real fast. And so um, social media companies are just the same. It's just a private space they control and monetize. And we shouldn't really be surprised. We should push back. But like Facebook, for example, not allowing news articles to be shared within Canada. Yeah. Even Canadian stories American friends share, we can't read. Say this content is not available in Canada. Like they don't care about us at all except making money off us yeah the trouble is we have shifted things over so far that they have become the internet to a large degree that's a topic maybe for another day yeah um but we we need to be cultivating spaces that aren't contingent wholly on private entities yeah so yeah we might need to use social media to get stuff out there quickly um, but we need to be meeting in person. We need to be having other kinds of gatherings. Um, it can't just be driven by private spaces. Yeah. And maybe that's part of our demands and push is for more. Like, what do we have? We got the public library for public spaces where you don't have to spend money. Yeah. You can walk into the public library. Where else? Not many places. N- no. University campuses, really, they don't want you here unless you're a student or a staff member yeah, no. generally. Yeah, you can come come to Affinity Gardens, go check something out. Yeah. But they're not really there for the general public wholly because there's, the spaces have been booked for university functions yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, you might be able to find an empty classroom for like an hour or whatever, but usually you end up getting kicked out pretty fast. And yeah, if you're... Uh, yeah, it's it's a different kind of thing. And so since there are so few kind of public spaces where we can do that, then we need to cultivate that. And when we have access to those resources, say as a church, 
Um, how do we how do we do that? Like today, for example, uh, the Shelburne Community Kitchen at Church of the Cross, they uh, rent space in the lower level, and they're doing this big renovation so they can get a commercial kitchen. And so they're using our hall for many months to um, connect with their clients, eventually to hand out food, to continue their food pantry programs. So it's ways in which we can kind of make that work because we have this flexible space available and it's in sync with with our values and something we want to promote. Yeah. Um, so there, there can be opportunities with building trust, right, where we could share those kinds of of spaces because even community centers for example have limited space you have to um the, it can be tricky to get space in there because it's limited yeah. and they have their own programming and whatnot um the other thing is think about I, again ways there are times at which we feel a bit depressed that we want to I don't know, find find ways that lift up our spirits. So whether that's engaging in some form of art or creation, could have, whether it's an art making session or you're making music together, uh, something where you're creating something and sharing it with the world, or even if it's for yourself, that can be liberating in a way that doom scrolling doesn't, <laughs> doesn't do for us. Yeah. Um, so just thinking about that creative, side of things and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money you can use dollar store paint yeah paper yeah yeah and then make some posters go hang those up on uh on some bulletin board somewhere there we go i'm already thinking of something we could do with inclusive christians maybe make some posters that we hang up uh either around campus around town I'm just looking at the time. We're sort of nearing the end. And so um, I don't know if there's anything else you really wanted to make sure to touch on before we end. I encourage people to reach out to us. Yeah. Uh, you can find us. I mean, we'll get to our Instagram. You can message us there. Yeah. At Let's Talk Faith Justice. Um, you can find me at Lutheran Church of the Cross. My email is pastorlinden at shaw.ca. And yeah, just Google our names and, and reach out. Maybe that's a dangerous thing to say. On a, <laughs> Google our names and reach out to us. No, no. Drop us a line. No, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's all? That's what I got. All right. Well, then, we should do our, our thank yous. So thank you, um we're both back in studio finally today after a little bit of a sort of we had a few snow days last week so it was a little hard to get in here um but thank you to cfuv for allowing us to use the studio thank you to uvic multi-faith and inclusive christians that were both uh involved in on campus thank you to lutheran church of the cross for supporting the work as well as the bc synod and thank you to everyone for listening actually listening i still really yeah i'm like i still have um some i'm skeptic but i know that people actually do listen but i'm like why you know i don't know why do you listen 
You're, you have some podcast imposter syndrome happening? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Our audience rocks. Yeah. You people rock. So get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll you'll hear us next time.